Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, September 23rd, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking college sports today. Missouri opens its season on Saturday at home against Alabama, and Suichi Tirada, who covers the Tigers, tells us what to expect in Eli Drinkwitz's Mizzou debut. Kellis Robinette then shares what he learned after Kansas State's loss to Arkansas State two weeks ago. Turns out the Wildcats were very much at less than full strength in that game. And, oh, things don't get much easier for K-State, which visits Oklahoma on Saturday. Finally, Gary Bedore, who covers Kansas, checks in with an update on the Jayhawks game at Baylor on Saturday. And he has a wonderful recollection of Gale Sayers, the former Chicago Bears and KU star running back whose death at age 77 was announced this morning. Before he even attended college, Gary scored an interview with Sayers, and and you'll love his story. So let's get going talking college football and sports, starting with Mizzou. Suichi Tirada leads off our college football podcast today, talking Missouri Tigers. How are you, Suichi? I'm good. Three days away from kickoff, Blair. As as the star sports staff knows, I'm uh, counting down to my haircuts, so I'm very much looking forward to that. We got to find a way to get a mugshot of you in the uh, in the story that accompanies the podcast uh, because the, <laughs> the the haircut is a monumental thing. What a decision that is! Why did you? Uh, what, what's the inspiration behind uh, getting the getting the hair clipped? Yeah, so at the beginning of the pandemic, my hair was getting long just because I hadn't gotten it cut for a few months to begin with, and then sports shut down. So I was like, you know, what'd be kind of fun. Let's wait to get a haircut until the next live sports game I go to. And and that will be the Missouri Tigers versus the number two Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday. So I got to get prepped for it. Is is the beard staying uh, or does that no, go as well? No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to try something new. Uh, I'm keep, kind of keeping it a secret. So I can't quite have a beard <laughs> with the new hairstyle. So And my girlfriend hates the, hates the beard. So it's gotcha. going goodbye. Well, uh, I don't know if we'll recognize you after uh, starting next <laughs> week. So good, good luck with that, and uh, and good luck covering uh, the the game on Saturday. That's that's uh, that's great that that the Tigers are are playing, and let's let's establish that first of all um, because earlier today we found out another college football game is off this weekend, uh, Notre Dame's game. And uh, was it Notre Dame Wake Forest? I think we heard that uh, that, mm-hmm. that game's not happening. But Missouri Alabama uh, to this you know three days before kickoff, we, we're pretty sure it's going to happen, right? Yeah, uh, it's weird hearing you say Notre Dame Wake Forest or whatever ACC game Notre Dame is playing this year. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, Missouri uh, actually got some good news on the COVID nineteen front last week. It, it, you know, a very frustrated kind of kind of a tired Trinquets, I guess you could say was kind of revealed that Mizzou had 12 players in quarantine because of COVID-19 and because of SEC guidelines. And even if you don't test positive because of contact tracing, you are out two weeks, so you couldn't play in that Alabama game. So Mizzou was already down 12 players, a dozen players. And then good news, actually, drink was revealed on Tuesday, yesterday, uh, that it was actually only seven players. They had essentially an inconclusive test uh, lead to a positive. And, and after further you know, swab testing and PCR or whatever acronym we're going with today. Um, those players eventually, or one, those players are in quarantine, actually tested negative, and then you know five players were able to come out of it. So some good news, you know, they have another round of testing Wednesday and Friday, so they're not completely out of the clear yet. But they're at the point where no, it's it's not looking like they're going to cancel. And obviously, you, you kind of breathe a sigh of relief there for Mizzou, just because. 
you, it, it really does sound like Drink was kind of anticipated a few more positive tests last week. And, and you know, that obviously with knowing what we know about COVID-19, that can always snowball. So the fact that it actually went down, I think, was was kind of a big surprise, but but a welcome one for sure. Yeah. Hey, and so, the, you know, the numbers and the trends are, are, are good for Missouri, but also, uh, to me, good for Missouri is the transparency with which Eli Drinkwitz, Drinkwitz approaches, uh, the, the, you know, the COVID numbers. And uh, I really respect that. He's been he's been really forward with this and open and honest, seemingly to me, uh, with the, I don't imagine a media opportunity passes by without him being asked about it or him addressing it. So, um, what, what do you make of the way that he has approached, you know, here's a guy, you know, is his first power, you know, five game approaching as, as a head coach. And he has to, you know, he has to deal with this issue as, as some other coaches do who are in his situation. But, uh, I don't, I don't know if a coach that's, that seems to be more honest and open about the, you know, the situation that he has been. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Blair. And I think he should be, you know, Mizzou and Drinkwitz should should definitely get their props here. Uh, at the beginning of kind of training camp and everything, they were kind of maybe shied away from a bit. Uh, and, you know, people were kind of like, oh, you know, don't feel great about it. But other programs are kind of doing the same thing. But yeah, I mean, the past few weeks, Mizzou has really dived into the transparency angle. And it, it, it's gotten to the point where, you know, the media, us, the media, like we're not even asking drink what's about the COVID-19 numbers. And maybe there would be a few follow-ups, but for the most part, you know, and his opening statement, drink will reveal those numbers and, and kind of give some context behind it. I, I think that's a great thing. You know, it, and drink made the great point on at his uh, weekly news conference yesterday on Tuesday. This is a public health issue. It's not necessarily something about competitive advantage or, or an injury. And, you know, I, I get the gamesmanship angle. I mean, Drinkwitz is all about it with the whole not naming his starting quarterback ahead of week one. And he's obviously serious about that. And he's taking his own precautions or measures for that. But when it comes to COVID-19 and, and playing football during a literal pandemic, he, he you know, he's shown and, and said that this is a serious issue and, and kind of showcased that. And I think there is some maybe some frustrations behind it from not just the media, but the fans and maybe even other programs and that there is no uniformity. I mean, we don't really know what's going on with Alabama, I guess. They are going through daily testing, which is also a little bit different, but um, apparently they have no cases or Saban has been kind of shot away from that himself. And I know at other schools, you know, I, I believe Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley, uh, I want to say a few weeks ago, he said they weren't releasing it for competitive advantage reasons. So it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, Blair, it's, 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 it's definitely a positive thing. And I think, you know, for a first-year head coach, that is a very commendable thing because you, you can definitely hide behind the, ooh, don't know what to do. This is my first time here, Power 5, pandemic, all these things. But but Drinkwitz and Mizzou has done a really good job about that. Okay, let's talk about the depth chart. Uh, it's it's out, and as yeah. expected, as expected, we see the the, the word or a lot um, <laughs> on the depth chart. And in, in most years, I would kind of roll my eyes and say that's just typical. That's 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 college football gamesmanship going on. But I, I, there's probably a lot of truth to that. Uh, the or designation. The uh, of course, what I'm talking about is when you list the, on the two deep. Uh, you, there, there's always two players listed on for each position on the two deep, the first team player and the second team player. Um, uh, and, and, and some school and schools will put an or at the end of the first team player to designate they haven't uh, assigned a starting role for the first or second team player yet. So 
um, that's you, know, it's, it's, you see it in colleges a lot, but it, given the circumstances and where we are uh, with the pandemic, I, I, I imagine there are a lot of places uh, on, on a field where the coaches just certainly, uh, you know, they have an idea who's going to start, but things can change at a moment's notice. So, but everybody wants some, uh, well, you, you always want some, de- you know, some definition to your, uh, to your roster and to your depth chart. And at Missouri, it starts with quarterback. Uh, the, the dreaded or word is being applied to Sean Robinson or Connor Basilak. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think, I, I've just assumed all along it's going to be Robinson, uh, but is this a situation where it, it could it could be a matter of both of them playing against Alabama, or are we going to just see one or the other be the guy? Yeah, no, that that's a great question, Blair. Um, Drinkles has actually asked about that on Tuesday, and you know we, we play two quarterbacks. He said, or have you put thought into it? And he just said a lot, and then can and then the follow up question was. Can we can fans expect something like that? And Drinko said, "I can't manage your expectations" or something like that. So um, he, he just like it's been all training camp. Like Drinko has not revealed his hand when it comes to quarterback. I think as of now, all indications or all projections are still on Robinson, but we, we just don't know until September twenty sixth at uh, six p.m. So so we'll see how that goes. Um, on the death chart as a whole, though, Blair, I mean. If you look at it, there are a lot of ores, but interestingly enough, I, I think there are a lot of ores maybe in the second string kind of part. I mean, there aren't too many positions where, where there is an ore, especially on the defense. You only see one ore on the defense. It, it kind of gets a little bit more um, questioning, I guess, uh, on the offense. But if you put in a little bit of context, I think you'll feel a little bit better. I mean, it, you know, for example, like our running back, it's Larry Rontree, the third, or Tyler Beatty. Like, I don't think there's necessarily a, a, a like the or designation there doesn't really mean anything because both of those guys are going to play a lot of snaps and Roundtree obviously is is an established SEC running back and he's one of your captains too so um and then the left tackle is it, I guess there are a few question marks like tight end and left tackle I don't want to get too into the weeds there but there are maybe some question marks there besides quarterback so uh, on the most part though I think um like offensive line has been kind of decimated with COVID and injuries but Drinkus has kind of said that they're pretty set there in four of the five positions. So that's kind of a good thing. And at wide receiver, you got a bunch of established guys like Damon Hayden and, and Kiki Chisholm and, and Jalen Knox. And those are three very talented wide receivers. So, um, and like I said, on the defense, you've pretty much got your starters. Um, and you got a, you got a big surprise and true freshman Ennis Rakestraw Jr. Uh, getting the nod, not at cornerback. And I think fans can be really excited about him just because, you know the media. We we've heard a lot about this kid from uh, the Dallas area, and it, it, by all indications, it seems like he's worth the hype. And we'll see how how he is. And honestly, if he starts, this might have been kind of a symbolic thing. We've seen that happen in different college football programs. So, so just something to keep an eye on when it comes to the depth chart. Gotcha. Okay. And just what uh, what do you expect from from Missouri on Saturday? Eli Drinkwitz's first game. <clears throat> excuse me. As a, as the Tigers head coach. Playing an opponent that you know, that widely regarded as one of the top two or three teams in the nation, and has been there for a, a long, long time. Uh, tough, tough assignment for for the Tigers, and one that uh, that was that was handed to them in the uh, in the rescheduling of, of of SEC play. So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think will happen? Uh, and you know, you saw the last half of last season. You covered the Tigers then, and what are your expectations for a, a different look for Missouri 
going from uh, Barry Odom to Eli Drinkwitz? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is is this is going to be a very different offense. I remember over the summer I did kind of a scheme or football offense kind of story on Drinkwitz's offense. And then, you know, there there are going to be different looks. It's going to be based out of 11 personnel, which is one running back and one tight end. They're going to do a lot of zone blocking runs. And there's going to be some pro tempo, as Drinkwitz calls it, which, you know, to my knowledge or the way I, I've kind of been explained to it, it's pretty much just – turning the tempo up and down and especially after big plays are going to go fast and everything. Um, but yeah, for the most part, yeah, we don't really know. I, like you said, Blair, like it's so difficult going up against number two Alabama in your first game. I mean, if they can, honestly, if they can keep it within the spread, which is 28 points, which is just crazy. Um, I, I would be pretty, you know, happy if it's something like a 35 to 21 game. I think you look at that and you say, you know, you kind of shrug and you kind of like, you know, this isn't necessarily the end of the world, I guess. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of a, a very difficult thing, but we'll, we'll see how it goes uh, 6 p.m. Saturday. Yeah, crazy things can happen in, a, in an opening game, especially this season's opener. We saw what happened to some of the Big 12 schools a couple of weeks ago in their their non-conference openers. So you, you never know. Um, okay, Suichi, great catching up with you. And uh, we will – hey, one last thing. Uh, fans are in the stands, correct, uh, the, on Saturday? Yes, fans will be in the stands. Uh, it was originally reported Mizzou was planning up to 25%. That number is actually back uh, – the number is actually um, down – um, to around 11,800, I've been told by an ME spokesperson. So still, still a significant amount. I think, um, you can still make a lot of like noise with that amount of people. I, I've covered a few games where, uh, there were that many fans because of a lightning delay and, and it still got pretty loud in there. So something to keep an eye on something kind of fun. Um, I, I'm sure fans will still try to tailgate despite it not being allowed. So, uh, it, hopefully there will be some semblance of a game day atmosphere. Yeah, Chiefs fans can can tell you, or the Chiefs can tell you that uh, with the with about fifteen thousand fans in the seventy five thousand seat stadium uh, a couple weeks ago against the Houston Texans, they made a significant amount of noise. Players noticed it. So, okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll hear from Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State, and Gary Bedore, who is on the Kansas beat. So, Suichi, great catching up. We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it, Blair. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Kellis Robinette covers K-State for the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, and the Wildcats are back in action, scheduled to play the Oklahoma Sooners in Norman, uh, 11 a.m. at on Saturday. Kellis, that game is going to happen, right? Tell me that game is going to happen. <laughs> I, I can't tell you with 100% certainty that it's going to happen. Um, 
uh, just based off what Chris Kleiman has said uh, multiple times this week, I'd say it's closer to maybe 60-40 that it gets played. Um, they need they, they need some good testing results uh, today and Friday to make it happen. Yeah, well, there the 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 testing results as as we know now, um, there were more players out for the opener for the Wildcats than I guess we knew at the time. Isn't that right? Yeah, um, even looking down at the sideline, it looked like maybe the number was about two dozen. That's what I counted, the people that were on the sidelines not playing. But then Chris Kleiman came out later after the fact and said it was closer to 40. Um, So you kind of do the math. He said they got 12 of those players back, but then lost 10 this week. So I guess right now you're saying they're, you know, not not too much different from last week, maybe at 35, something like that. Um, and it'll be, you know, interesting, even if, even if they fulfill the thresholds that the big 12 put out there to go play the game, which are uh, 53 healthy players, including one quarterback, seven offensive linemen and four defensive tackles. Um, even if they have all of those things, I think they'll have a, a patchwork group of defensive backs out there, just given that they lost both their starting safeties last week. And there's a good chance one of the backups isn't going to be available this week either. So throw all that in there, and um, it just makes makes a, a trip that's already hard going down to Norman and playing Oklahoma that much harder. Right. And didn't we – I think I've got the right program here. Didn't uh, didn't I hear Chris Kleiman say something that they were close to the threshold on one of those positions uh, against Arkansas State? They One more loss at a certain position, and they would not have been qualified to play? Right. I, I yes. could be wrong. He, he could, said that also – Yes, he, he said that. He said that uh, they were waiting until Friday afternoon to uh, make absolutely sure that they had enough players at uh, one of those positions to move forward and, impl- and play. I believe that position was the offensive line um, because that's one spot where they had had some uh, player absences during summer practices. They ended up having 10-plus offensive linemen active for that game, though, so they must have gotten some really good news late in the yeah. week that allowed them to play. This week you said it's a different position, so I guess that would maybe mean that it's defensive line, um, that they're inching close to, that that's at least a, a spot of concern. Um, so it, it's just all interesting. I mean, it's this isn't a Kansas State problem. It's not an Oklahoma problem. It's kind of just a college football problem. Um, I think I read a stat earlier today that said one out of every five college football games uh, have been postponed already this season. We saw it last week with uh, – Baylor and Houston, um, TCU has had a game postponed. Oklahoma State has had a game postponed. So if, if it happens, um, it certainly isn't the end of the world. Kansas State and Oklahoma actually share two bye weeks uh, later in the season. So if you're going to miss a game, this actually would be a decent one to miss because you could just slide it back. But all that being said, I don't want to be totally doom and gloom. If the game were to be played tomorrow, they would play it. Play it, okay. Well, and as, as we also discovered later, uh, Skylar Thompson got – injured against Arkansas State in the first half and ended up gutting out his performance uh, in, in that loss, but, uh, but ended up not practicing the following week. Take us through the, you know, the Skylar Thompson news. Yeah, so it kind of explains um, a little bit about why he was off in that game. You know, Even though he put up pretty good numbers, threw for about 250 yards, had a good completion percentage, Everybody just could tell uh, after he took an awkward hit at the goal line in the first half, he wasn't moving around quite as much. They didn't ask him to do anything in the QB run game. Um, he missed a few potential game-changing deep balls to Sebastian Taylor, Malik Knowles, some other guys that uh, if he's on the money, those are game-changing plays. They probably win. 
Um, but lo and behold, you know, I guess there's a pretty good reason for that. He was, uh, turns out he was playing through some aches and pains, wasn't able to really do much of anything other than go to therapy last week and get rehab. So he, he was out all last week. I, I thought something was up when Kansas State put out a video and uh, the only two quarterbacks they had throwing were, were Nick Ost and Will Howard, the backups. Normally, Skylar Thompson is very much featured in those things. So um, the good news is he is back at practice. And so this moment, he's on track to play this week. So hopefully he's back at full strength. But uh, it, it just goes to show that hit that he took in the, in the first half of that game was more, I guess, significant than maybe you originally believed. Right, right, right. So in that game, of course, the the Wildcats lost and upset by Arkansas State. Arkansas Arkansas State played very well uh, to win that game, um, but there were a couple of I thought newcomer standouts for for K State. Um, maybe that's too strong a word, but at least guys that had not played in a K State uniform uh, showed up pretty good. Uh, one of them was the the, the freshman running back uh, Deuce Vaughn. What, uh, what what was impressive about him? Well, really everything. Um, I mean, I, I pegged him as soon as he signed with Kansas State. I thought he was going to be a good player. I just didn't necessarily know it would be uh, week one right out the gate as a true freshman. Um, but he, he did, um, I mean, shoot everything while well. he led him in rushing. He scored a touchdown. He looked good as a receiver on one play. Um, Chris Kleiman, after the fact, went out and said he thought he was Kansas State's best player in the entire game. So I the funny thing is, is I say all that he showed a lot of great, um, a lot of great speed, shiftiness out there. Um, I think they can find a lot of creative ways to use him in the future. But it's funny that I say all that that it was actually after the game that is what impressed me more about him. Just listening to him talk, he was uh, asked a question about Arkansas State's run defense, and uh, he didn't, you know, just give give us a bunch of cliches about it. He was breaking it down like Tony Romo in the CBS booth telling us where the safety was, which defensive linemen were stunting and all this stuff. I mean, he, he broke it down better than I've really heard a, a active player do that in a super long time. So for a true freshman to do that just shows his maturity level. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised. His, his dad is a former player, former coach. He works as a scout with the Dallas Cowboys. So he's been prepared for this moment. Um, I mean, you, you do kind of worry. He's a small guy, only about 5'5", five, five, so you, you do worry about him handling a big load as a true freshman, but he certainly surpassed the expectations in that first game and um, certainly a bright spot in the loss. Right. And then the other newcomer I was thinking about was the transfer uh, tight end, Briley Moore, who had a, had a good game, led him, uh, I think with six catches. Um, it, it was good to see, uh, good to see him produce. So um, what a, what a tough opening assignment for, for the big 12 schedule. First of all, another, Another uh, road opener in conference play for Kansas State. I believe this is consecutive year number 3,912 <laughs> that, that the Wildcats have opened uh, conference play on the road. Um, and, of course, it's against the, 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 you know, the, the, the however, count however many time conference champion, a consecutive conference champion Oklahoma is. And, uh, and even though the, the Sooners are starting over at quarterback, it just seems to be, you know, right off the assembly line with Spencer Rattler, who followed Jalen Hurts, who followed, you know, Murray, who followed Mayfield. I mean, it's just unbelievable um, uh, what's what you know how Lincoln Riley is developed uh, first Stoops and now Lincoln Riley developed quarterback. So I, I would say that the uh, I'd say that the Wildcats have their work cut out for them on Saturday. 
Uh, Oklahoma's come a long way since the days of Landry Jones and Blake Bell, haven't they? <laughs> That's right. Hey, now, Blake Bell, Blake Bell got, got, got a championship ring last year with the Chiefs. Caught a touchdown pass in the playoffs. Uh, I mean, but, the, but, the you're right, is, but you're right. That was that was uh, those years were were tough ones. Well, the the crazy thing is, like, I mean, those are, were both pretty good quarterbacks. Uh, Landry Jones went on to be a, a a backup in the NFL for a few years. And Blake Bell, even though he he didn't make it to the league as a uh, quarterback, I mean, uh, you can see he had all the athleticism in the world to play. That he's he's making it now as a tight end. So, uh, but yeah, it, it just goes to show you how tremendous Lincoln Riley has been at that spot. I mean, to just one year after the other produce Heisman winner, Heisman winner, Heisman finalist, um, and now Spencer Rattler actually looks like he has a, as good an arm as any of these guys. Um, so a, a very tough task for Kansas State, um, especially just given that last week they struggled to defend Oklahoma State's best receiver. Uh, it's going to be infinitely harder in this one. Yeah, look, and I was – I'm somewhat making fun of Oklahoma quarterbacks before this group, but before this group you only had, you know, Heisman Trophy winners like Sam Bradford and Jason White and and then runner-up Josh Heupel. It's just been an unbelievable run at quarterback for Oklahoma – since um, you know, it, basically in this century, uh, when when Bob Stoops arrived in in uh, it was ninety eight, ninety nine. So it's 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 unbelievable how I, I think when when you define the success of Oklahoma over the past two decades, it starts at that position. They've always had, uh, seemingly always have had a terrific quarterback, and um, and it does it seems like this year is no exception. Okay. Well, Kellis, I know you're heading down there, so safe travels and uh, good luck. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, you will hear from Gary Bedore, who covers the Kansas Jayhawks. Got Gary Bedore here. He covers the Jayhawks for the Star. Gary, how are you doing today? Good, Blair. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. Well, Kansas football back in action on Saturday, at least scheduled to be back in action. I know earlier in the week, uh, the last time we heard from football coach Les Miles, there was no certainty. I don't think there's any certainty to any college football game this year in the pandemic uh, in the pandemic season. But what was the latest that, that Les Miles and, and KU had to say about Saturday's game against Baylor? Yeah, Les Miles uh, stressed that Kansas – hasn't had, you know, many COVID cases. They don't release their numbers uh, regularly. They just, he'll say they're they're looking good. He did say last week they had two, but he wasn't specific if they were cropped up last week or the week before. But anyway, uh, as far as Baylor, all Miles said was he was confident that as a Big 12 partner, they would be forthcoming and everybody was confident there'd be a game. And uh, he said communication was key and they just want to be updated. But uh, the word out of Baylor Monday at the teleconference of the big 12 was uh, their new coach was confident the game would be played. So uh, as of now, there will be a game. And they haven't had one yet, right? That's um, you know, at least no. KU. They they were upset by Coastal Carolina, but at least they played a game. Baylor's had two games 
scratched from the schedule because of the pandemic. And uh, yeah, and last week's game against Houston, uh, the AD was saying how the he just was crushed for the players because that's tough two weeks in a row thinking you've got a game and uh, the excitement under a new coach and all that, and then have it be wiped out. Last week's game was, wasn't canceled until Friday. So that's quite a right. shock. Absolutely. That, that was to, to, to get that news a day before the game, uh, a game that had already, you know, been rescheduled that what a, what a kind of kick in the gut that had to be yeah. for, for both teams, for both Houston and, and Baylor. So, um, so the game is at Waco, and was it? Is it? A, I'm sorry, six thirty kick. I'm yeah, to find it real quick. Okay, and yeah. we'll, we'll see if that happens. And of course, like I said, Kansas uh, played a sloppy game and a real disappointing loss to Coastal Carolina in the opener. We'll see what happens in Game Two, assuming there is a Game Two. Yeah. But you know, Gary, big news today broke this morning that Gail Sayers, the Kansas Comet. Uh, passed away at age 77 and it occurred to me that um that you're a pretty pretty good source to talk about this because you you grew up in chicagoland and yeah. uh, and have been in lawrence or ever since college and and uh so the two two of the places where you know gail sayers made the biggest impact in his life were were those places and so when you yeah. when you were growing up in in in, in illinois how 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 big was Gail Sayers? I know you, you weren't. We're not talking about, uh, um, you know, the. I'm trying to think of you, you and I are about the same age, and I remember Gail. I remember the, sort of the tail end of Gail Sayers, Sayers' playing career. I certainly wasn't around when I see the highlights of him. Yeah. You know, um, you know, s- stepping aside people and, and jumping over. He was phenomenal, but I don't remember seeing that live. I'm just remember what your memories of him were when you were growing up in, in the Chicagoland. Yeah, I remember watching that game where he scored seven touchdowns against the Niners on TV. Wow. And uh, uh, I think I was watching it alone as a kid because I just remember being stunned. And uh, my dad took me to a game, and I saw him play in person, I believe, and it I think they played Johnny Unitas in the Colts, and it was really cold in Wrigley Field. And wow. uh, my uncle was a policeman, and he carried Gail Sayers off the field with another policeman when he had his first or second knee injury in an iconic photo because uh, back then knee injuries were way worse than today. And uh, – you know, Sayers only played, what, seven seasons because of a couple knee surgeries. Right. Sur- surgeries the- that would be yeah. fixed today and you'd be out of season, yeah. but not not then. No, and I think he came, uh, he came back from the first one and it was a really big deal. And I think he gained 1,000 yards that year, which back then was a big deal, the 1,000 mark. And uh, But he was huge. And uh, – my epic tale is that when I was in high school, I knew I was going to go to KU. So our journalism class teacher made us interview a, quote, famous person. So uh, I called KU. Gail Sayers was associate AD, set up an interview for spring break, drove down from Chicago with my friends, you know, 
mostly to interview Gail Sayers, but partly it was a good excuse to get in the car and drive <laughs> road, road, to a road trip, right? So I get to KU and I had an interview scheduled with him for like 10 a.m. I go up to the office as a high school kid. Uh, they let me in and I was scared to death because A, I'd never interviewed anybody. B, Gail Sayers. So I go in there and I had written out 10 questions because, uh, again, I didn't know how the business worked or anything. So he was real friendly, and I asked him the first question, and he talked for about three minutes and answered about eight of my questions <laughs> in one. And I remember sitting there as he was doing it thinking, oh, my God, he's, he's, he's taking on my list. So I think I improvised a little bit, but really – he, he had me pretty good. So I think it was a really <laughs> short interview and I was scared, but I wrote this story off it. And my teacher didn't believe me that I drove to Lawrence to interview Sayers. So they called the KU athletic department and uh, Sayers told her that I did come in and interview. <laughs> so uh, I got an A and, uh, I was kind of the hero of the class because everybody else was interviewing their neighbor, the fireman, and uh, <laughs> mine was on Gail Sayers. Heck yeah, you were the hero of the class. That's that's phenomenal, Gary, that you got to do that. That uh, I didn't know that story. That's I love that you told that. Well done. Well done. <laughs> well, he he um, look. I always equated him with. Uh, you know, athletes whose careers ended prematurely because of injuries that, that that wouldn't end careers today. And I always think of him and Sandy Koufax together. They played about the same time in different sports, but were just unbelievable. You know, at what they did, and 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 if you know if they had played forty years later, thirty years later, whenever you know whatever we define modern medicine, they. Um, they would have been able to continue their careers, but they just couldn't because of the uh, what medicine was at the time and, and what surgery yep. was at the time. So, anyway, well, that that's great, yeah. Gary. Um, well, we will uh, let's end it on that, and we will um, we will talk to you again next week, and maybe have a I hope have a result from yeah. a football game that the Jayhawks are scheduled to play on Saturday. Um, they're, they're, they won't be favored. I don't think I don't because of the outcome in the first game. I don't think they'll be favored in any game remaining this year we'll we'll see but anyway yeah gary great catching up with you and we'll talk to you again soon all right thanks boy see you that'll do it for today thanks to our production staff of Derek donovan randy mason beth welsh jeff rosen chris fickett and savannah smith tip of the cap to suichi tarada kellis robinette and gary bedore for talking college football with us this week you can find stories that they have written in the show notes and on kansascity.com Earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands, and still a good one, 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes Sports Extra that comes with the E-Edition. There's more than 50 additional pages of national sports coverage today. Here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details at account dot kansascity.com slash subscribe that's account dot 
KansasCity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.